City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Okay, City Limits. We'll pour some tea, John. What do you think? Oh, I reckon. Yes. As a start, just to the get trickle people. of did, tea. did this last week. Gets people going. That's right. Yeah. Well, we had the wonderful sounds of Georgia Lee and the. Yeah, it was fabulous. The Era City Blues there. Mm. And uh, who was the band, by the way, behind it? it uh, yeah. I think. She's the artist, Georgia Lee, and it was Yarra River Blues. Just the, yeah, it doesn't say who the band was. One of the jazz bands, anyway. Might be her band. Yeah, Yarra River Blues, because that's interesting, because John McPherson's in the studio. That was Andy, of course, who's pressing buttons. I'm Kevin Healy, and it's City Limits. It's the first Wednesday of the month. It's November the 1. Yeah. And it's good to have you here today, John, because it is All Saints Day, and you you qualify, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> Andy's, sure. a bit, Andy's a touch questionable. I'll just burnish mine. Hello. <laughs> it was your hello or halo? <laughs> yeah, I'm more likely to do hello than halo. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, but this is all, but what I was going to say. But the Yarra, it was an appropriate bit of music. It was coincidental, but, of course, it does coincide with Yarra um, getting a... Um, Getting a, a drug injection yeah, in the room, yeah. which is great. Andy's was involved in rallies there. So. Oh, I went and had a look when they yeah. had it on, and yeah, yeah it's great. And then yeah, so it's. A, I do want to talk about it later in a different context. Yeah, so we no, won't go into it now. But okay, it's, uh, all right. Well, it, it, um, uh, yeah, well, I think uh, lots of people deserve a pat on the back for that. Yeah, I want to. Um, <clears throat> I want to just compare it when we get on to transport, John, because mm. it is transport day. And John, Mc, for those who don't know, John McPherson is our transport guru who comes in once a month. Well, I think I'm the guru, but guru, Kevin no, Mc, guru, Ke- guru, Kevin reckons I'm a guru. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's, a guru sounds like an animal from the, the bush <laughs> in South Africa. A gorilla. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because the Herald Sun has been. Um, you know, has been attacking Andrews for not going back on his word and building East West Link, and it's yeah. come up recently yeah. uh, with Ed, yeah. guess, with the bloke, what's his name, whatever his name is, yeah. um, saying we must build it. So they had another editorial attacking Andrews, saying it's time he, he swallowed his pride and built the bloody thing. But of course, when he puts in, the, comes up at the injection room, they're now running stories saying he's back flipped, he's yeah, terrible. Yeah, so yeah, that's what yeah. I wanted to raise. I've now oh, raised it, haven't yeah, I? But okay. uh, we will bring it up yeah, later as yeah, well. But yeah. it's just interesting that they have two different <laughs> yeah, attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of the Herald Sun, of course, and I've just. Do we have to? <laughs> well, uh, we don't, because I'm away from the mic and my, I've realised my reading glasses are stuck in the bag case here, but I'll get them out. Here we are. Um, I'm interested in running an ad this week, and I find it interesting. Um, it's for their uh, obituary column, oh. but it, it says a life. Remember, they have a different picture every day. Yes, this one's a couple, a young couple getting married, so one assumes that one has died or something. You see, have you considered a tribute notice for the passing of a loved one? An image portraying significant moments or places can evoke fond memories and add meaning to a few carefully chosen words. In other words. Put it in the Herald Sun and they'll charge you a fortune for it. So, um, <laughs> Another fortune if you want a photo. Yeah. That's right. Well, the photo. So, um, And I thought, well, sure, they can evoke fond memories. But for you, and I think if you've got it at home and look at it, it can evoke fond memories. But for those who are reading the death notices or whatever in the Herald Sun, they're not going to get too many fond memories because they don't even know who you're talking about. Well, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So I, I just had this awful feeling. And I'm, I know I'm sure yeah. they're doing it for pure sympathy and care for the it's, bereaved. No, actually, it sounds more like vanity publishing, doesn't it? Yeah, but it seems to me that it's um, the Herald Sun maybe just wanting to give them more money. Oh, I think so, Kevin. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it, it, perhaps yeah. you'd have to have another ad saying there's going to be this wonderful ad in the in the paper. Watch out for it. That's right. You know, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> we won't have any photos at the funeral, but they'll be in the Herald Sun. <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, dear. Yep. They must be getting a little desperate, perhaps, down at the Herald Sun. Maybe, but people keep dying and putting their notices in. True, us, true. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, this, speaking of the editorial, the one about um, Andrews has to backflip on one thing but not on another. He's right. attacked when he does on the other. Right. 
Um, interesting, the editorial they came up with after the raids last week. We discussed them last week with Dave Kerrin, the raid on the AWU office. Oh, yes, yes. But, of course, subsequent to that, so much scandal came out. And, it, <laughs> yes. you know, it turned out that the minister said she didn't know anything about it till she saw it on telly that night. Mm. Yet her whole office was tipping off the press. So mm. she obviously talked to no one in her office that day and couldn't work out why all these people were on the phones frenetically ringing people. Well, she probably didn't talk to anybody in her office that week. No, apparently. So well, anyway, she had a great week in politics. As far as <laughs> Barnaby, Malcolm <laughs> Roberts, hopefully cash goes now. Yeah, the awful thing is Barnaby's going to come back again, mm. I guess. But apart from that, it has been. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Barnaby's um, glad-hating. Not- I mean, it's great. That's, that's, I don't know. I think that's Barnaby. It is most appalling. <laughs> it's great they've gone, but really the law does need to be changed because it does discriminate against all sorts of people. I mean, if you come here and... Yeah, you, oh, yeah. So it, it but really, the trouble is, of course, the changing, you know, we all know what changing the Constitution's like. Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Is it a constitutional matter, though? Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Okay, yeah, section okay. 44. Yeah. Oh, of course it is. That's yeah, right. That's yeah. what they challenged. Of course yeah. it was. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but this one, after the raid, they said, uh, whenever measures are taken, to hold Labor or its supporters' union to account, the movement translated as an attack on workers. Last Gee. night they had a win. <laughs> an advisor to employment minister, this is last Thursday, you see, um, an advisor, this is their editorial, yep. an advisor to employment minister Cash quit after admitting to tipping off journalists, etc. The minister had earlier denied the office had told the media it was embarrassing. But it, then, they go, then, they, then they just switch around. But it should not distract from what is a legitimate search for answers to concerns over union donations. Now, we know this body was set up arising out of the Royal Commission, sure. which was a setup. So you set up the Royal Commission, yeah. you recommend a body that's going yeah. to attack unions. Designed you just tell to it focus to, on unions. Yeah, you yeah. tell it to search for certain things, uh-huh. yeah. and they go and do it. But that's not political. And they go on to say that this, this is a totally, a totally independent body. Um, <laughs> Yes, that's right. Uh, it, oh, the ro- the ro- is an independent statutory authority which regulates registered organisations, unions and associations to increase financial transparency and accountability. It doesn't mention it was brought in recently arising out of. No, no. Um, and the, uh, they've too long been shrouded in secrecy. It goes on in that line anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but for, And it concludes, but for Labor and the AWU to claim the raids were simply a ministerial order and abuse of power falls into the category of distraction and white noise, a nothing-to-see-here complaint. If there is nothing to hide, there is nothing to fear. But the thing <sighs> is that all the documents are in the public domain already. <laughs> They're already out there, that's right. <laughs> yeah, they just overlook that little minor fact. <laughs> From beginning to end, the whole thing is a a boondoggle. But there there are some worrying signs, um, unfortunately. I mentioned at the end last week, Mm. we didn't get to talk about it, that the International Monetary Fund uh, has become the latest attack on capitalism. It it is now Mm. a commie front. Oh, Commie front. It bought been one of those for a while. No, it it bought well, it brought down one of its its regular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Reports, yeah, whatever, yeah. Reviews, whatever, whatever, whatever call them, yeah. mm. quarterly review or something. Yeah, whatever. And it said mm. that it said that that John is you're all sitting. Thank God we're sitting I'm holding, down. I'm we're holding sitting down. On, okay. I'm the trickle down effect doesn't trickle down. <gasps> really? Doesn't trickle down. Really? Um, all those drops of yellow liquid they. They give it to us. <laughs> don't trickle down on us, and which is lucky, I suppose. Um, I don't know but, what you're suggesting, but, it, but it, <laughs> it gets worse. It said there is you no. Mean, you, you mean to think that the masses are peed upon from on high? I think that's, that was the, the odd suggestion was in there, John. It also said, and this it makes it even worse, John, mm. that there is no proof anywhere where taxes for the rich have been cut and for corporations, mm. that this has done anything good for the economy or for those who, who get low wages. That's astonishing. I think yeah. they, should be, yeah. I should, they should be taken out and shot. Oh, oh. well, I think, I think Christine Lagarde and company are being held hostage. I think the commies Clearly. have taken over, well, yes. writing the reports. That's a, that's a, that's a good I mean, point. This is, They've got a, she's there, yeah. just a front. <clears throat> she's just a right. front. And on Australia, wait for this though, on Australia they said that Australia ranks top of the world in the past 30 years, uh-huh. in the developed world they call yeah, it, so yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah. in the developed world, yeah. for the gap between rich and poor widening. Wow. I mean, 
I bet you didn't read that in the Herald Sun. No, it wasn't in the Herald Sun. <laughs> didn't make the Herald Sun, you're right. Maybe it didn't even make the Australian. Might have made the financial review in a small paragraph in the yeah, back page. It might have. I think I read it in the Guardian Week. <laughs> I, I think it was in the Guardian Week. The good week, old Guardian, yes. Yeah, yes. I think it I think How, that's, yeah, yeah, isn't that well, interesting? Yes, yes. Well, we all know that nowhere in the Western world at the moment are wages going up. There's no inflation and wages are static, oh. but profits keep rocketing. And, and they keep, and yet the bosses keep complaining that slow oh, yeah, wages always. growth is a problem. And yeah. As we keep saying, well, we think there's a simple answer to that. <laughs> but, but, but it isn't happening. No. So no. now, now they're in the they're in the, the bosses are in the unfortunate mm. position where, where they they're continuing to say, well, we can't employ anybody because you know people are too expensive to employ, but. The people aren't costing any more mm. than they've cost no, for the no. last 20 years. Yeah. And they also say that if, because of the reduction in uh, penalty rates, yeah. they can then employ more people yeah. and stay open. Now, I would have thought that if they say they can't afford now to pay the penalty rates and stay open, um, how can they employ more people? Because surely a full wage is going to be more than the difference they're going to lose in someone's penalty rates. Uh, I would that was have a bit complicated for me. Well, well... <laughs> I think I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, if if say the penalty rate is whatever percentage of the wage yeah. on that day, yeah. and yeah. they say that'll allow us to pay another full wage, uh-huh. but we, now how can they do that if they can't afford to pay what's already there, the little mm. bit extra, mm. but they can pay much more than extra? Mm. So it strikes me that just might not be an mm. absolutely accurate assessment. Mm. They might be no, trying doesn't, to doesn't pull the old like, wool over our eyes. It doesn't sound like a cast iron connection. No, it doesn't. Know, like a lot it, of other, other, other no, things. No, no. no, no but the trickle down effect, the Republican. Americans in America have had that as their tenant of faith for the last 30 or 40 years. And it's worked so well. Yeah, they tried it under Reagan. Worked, it worked a treat. It didn't work. They tried it under George W. Bush. didn't work. Um, <laughs> they want to do it big time at the moment by reducing the taxes on the, on the really rich in America again. And that's, that's the thing they're most focused on, the Republicans. That's the thing they've, they've got to do. Everything else can go, go hang, but they're going to get those tax... Oh, Tax cuts, right? Yeah. And but they're for the middle class, he said. Oh, did yeah. he really? Yeah, there was a figure that showed how much, how many billions or millions mm. he and his son-in-law would, would, would gain out, would gain out of it. Yeah. But yeah. it's not for him; it's for the oh, middle I class. See. Okay. Middle class. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, and help yeah. that in turn helps the yeah. working class. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's yeah, that's very interesting. Well, the IMF obviously needs a shake-up. Mm. They've gone mad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've always been safe. <laughs> yeah. No. But it's is catching. That a, is that another agency the Americans lost control of? It may be. Well, yeah. it's catching. It's catching yeah. because Tom Elliott, the, who, who is a, I didn't know him, but he's 3AW drive, drive oh, time yes, host. Guess what? He's the yeah. son of the other Elliott. Oh, is he? Well, I've never, yeah. I mean, I've never listened to him, but he's oh, written. Just, he's, he's pugnacious in the same way as his dad. Oh, yeah, I can imagine reading yeah. this, but he's written a, a piece in the Herald Sun on Friday. Oh, I can <laughs> own column, yeah. Um, too many people romanticise socialism. They regard figures like Che Guevara, Lenin, Mao and Marx as lefty <laughs> pin-up boys whose faces should adorn university art students' T-shirts. Then he turns it into a total attack on socialism um, and he's worried about the new New Zealand Prime Minister, Jess Jacinda Ardern, um, who brings into office the left-wing belief she acquired as a teenager at university and which as recently as 2009 led her to sing communist anthem the Internationale at a socialist youth festival in Hungary. <laughs> <laughs> so on he goes. And uh, perhaps she's just got a bad voice. He's upset about that. Anyway... Um, so and then he says how wonderful the New Zealand economy has been going under capitalism. And then why then does Adern want to fix something that isn't broken? Because like many Bollinger Bolshevists, she contemplates the theoretical virtues of socialism from the comfort of a free market-oriented society. Then he says he went to uh, Russia with his dad. And his dad, you tell me, is... Oh, I didn't know. That earlier, John Yeah, Elliot. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, big John. Yeah. And anyway... Um, and, and he learned how terrible communism was. But right. I think, you know, in, in, indeed... Indeed, uh, it wasn't a great example, but that's not uh, that's the problem, I guess, many of the problems. And he concludes by saying, democratic free market countries create jobs and wealth. They allow individuals the space in which to flourish, like those people homeless on Elizabeth Street, mm. I suppose. Yeah. No, they've got the space. Yeah, they've got the space. Yeah. Although 
although they keep getting moved out of it, and pursue their concept of the good free from the debt of the state. Socialism, on the other hand, causes misery and poverty whenever it's allowed to spread. Oh, did you get all that so out? So that's his. That sounds like Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. And then the um, same day, um, yeah, yeah. John Roscombe from the, from the, from the Institute of of, of um, Institute of Public they very, be, they must very be Private a little, Affairs. A yeah. little under threat at the moment. They're, yeah. they're, really, Institute of they're really frothing and they are. Aren't they? John, John, who has a fortnightly column in the Financial Review on every Friday. Oh, imagine. Um, oh. He says the, the, so, the, the, the Liberal government's becoming socialist because of its. Uh, it's a tack on the banks and it wants to control the banks. <laughs> and uh, you'd expect a law like this to be enacted by Eric Honecker in East Germany in the 70s, not a coalition government in Australia in 2017. So uh, John's <laughs> gone desperately mad. Um, mm. Isn't it awful? But anyway, and of course, um, I, I suspect next thing we'll know there'll be cameras and everything lined up on the big businesses around town to, yeah. s- to investigate well, we raid, yeah. their donations to the Institute of Public oh, Affairs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. They'll be getting that very they'll, shortly. They'll, they'll be a, um, a real well-publicised raid on the IPA. Well, that's <laughs> right. But with this bank thing, the yeah. banks themselves say the major banks in Finzia, which is the Financial Institute thing, mm-hmm. are in discussions about forming the Professional Banking Council, which would oversee ethical standards for individual bankers and engage on their behalf with the Prudential Regulator. And now, God. I thought their ethical standards were pretty solid. They're, they're rock solid, aren't well, they? they? Well, according to the IPA, they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. So the, the banks, banks themselves, themselves are expressing a little <coughs> bit, a few doubts. But yes, the, um, yes. But the, but the right, right, right-wing commentariat, of course, think um, the banks can behave any way they bloody please. Yeah. That should be just fine with us. Yeah. So that's that one, John. But then, right. just to balance that, because we, you know, we we don't want the yeah, yeah. Liberal Party to be seen as a totally socialist body. No, no. Totally socialist. In fact, um, um, Roscoe makes the point that they're all, you know, they're, they're trying to outdo Labor in socialism. Well, that wouldn't be too hard. <laughs> uh, wouldn't I mean? No. Would, no, right. You wouldn't have to move too far. Well, well, well you know, often, often it's the case that if you want some social reform, you know, you can get it out of the conservative side of yeah, that's right. side of politics, but easier than you can out of Labor. But well, Labor not always, of, but sometimes Labor goes out of, out of its way to prove it is what it is, or isn't, right. isn't what it is, or something, or yeah, or yeah, something, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, you'll be pleased to know that an backbench, and it's in the light of this Beersheba thing going on at the the moment the um, the tributes, to, oh, yeah, yeah. which of course, and the the Israelis themselves are praising it because it, they say this was the beginning of us becoming a state. So, no one's pointing out that when the charge of the brigade happened, mm. they were liberating the Palestinian people, but mm-hmm. now the Palestinian people are under the yoke, um, and it's yeah, the yeah. Uh, it's their oppressors who are yeah. celebrating. Yeah, or some without... describe Netanyahu as having um, hijacked the whole whole event. Yes, yes. And, and and our as prime... you'd expect. I mean, would would you expect any less? I don't think so. Well, no. <laughs> um, and so, um, but a number of liberal backbenchers now right. are coming out saying we Australia should shift its embassy to Jerusalem, which is, of course oh, is what okay. the Zionists oh, want. Of course, yes. So yes, uh, yes. there is there is light at the end of. They're not all socialists running light riot. at the end of the wrong yeah. tunnel. Yes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and having mentioned just how socialist the um, Labor Party is, you mm-hmm. know, and the, that the Liberal Party is trying to copy them, you'll be pleased to know that Kevin Rudd's come out. Um, those who don't know, I'm sure most people do know, he's a former Prime Minister of this country. Twice, as he keeps twice, out, twice, yeah. twice, twice. And he's urged Labor to expel the CFMEU from its ranks and warned that the union-based factions are not only killing internal democracy but stifling political development. We all operate within a system of laws, he said. I've always been pro-union. Well, that's interesting. We hadn't noticed it. What I cannot abide is an industrial and political structure which, through the affiliation system of the Labor Party, gives trade union-based factions majority control of the party either on policy or on personnel because the nature of the Australian economy, the workforce and society has changed. Well, that's true, but nonetheless, the unions did found the Labor Party as their voice in Parliament. Um, yep. And um, what's changed, of course, is that um, people like Rudd have taken it over and tried to remove the unions from it. Um, although I'd like to see the unions doing a lot more myself, personally, but that's that's it. And he goes on to say, um, 
He agreed with Bob Hawke, who previously um, said Labor should sever ties with the CFMEU given the evidence of corruption, bullying and law-breaking based on a royal commission set up by the Liberal Party, of course, and, yep. mm-hmm. and, and those things were all denied. No one was charged, but they were the headlines. And noted he had deregistered the Builders Labourers Federation in '86 for similar roguish behaviour. Hawke and I are as one on that, Mr Hawke, Mr Rudd said yesterday. Well, I think if I was one on Hawke on anything, I'd... <laughs> I deny it as fast as possible. Can I, can I comment? It's been a bit of a shock having Rudd, Rudd back in the country, I must say. The sooner he hops back to New York, the better. But but, but it was fascinating on Q, Q&A on last Monday night. Him and Alan Jones were as one opposing the Downing Mine. Oh, were they? Yeah, yeah. of course, Rudd, yeah, that's right. Jones, Jones opposes it for all these yeah, strange reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. interesting, isn't it? That was, that was <laughs> bemusing, if nothing else. <laughs> it's the one area over the years where Jones has shown some sign well, of... Uh, well, well, it seems to be, I think it's basically about, you know, good farming country shouldn't yeah, be alienated. Yeah, it's the lock the gate movement that he's yeah, been really yeah, behind. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So quite extraordinary. Yep, mm. yep. And um, on past Prime Ministers, um, one called Abbott, um, well-named, of course, um, he, um, as you know, in London, he said he he still believes climate change is crap. He just said Mm. it wasn't because he was Prime Minister, etc. And it's just all Well, you see, that's, that's, forgive me, but that seems to be something you're allowed to do if you're a good Catholic. You can lie about these things and just go and get absolution at the end of the week. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's interesting that it's been pointed out. It was pointed out in a recent edition of the Saturday paper. That's just my jaundiced view, folks. Oh, yeah, but just that, my opinion. I didn't see that as jaundiced. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the, 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 it's pointed out that Pell, Cardinal Pell, mm. old Georgie. Abbott's good mate. Pol Pot, Pell Pot, gave a uh, speech um, to the Legatus Summit, whatever that is, in Naples, Florida, not Naples, Italy, right. but Naples, Florida, right. um, in a few, about 10 years ago now, in mm. fact, in 06. Mm. But it, it points out that given the speech Abbott made and about how pagan sacrifice, etc., and climate change is like sacrificing pagans, etc. Yeah, throwing goats into volcanoes yeah, or something. In like the that. speech, Pell said some of the hysteric and extreme claims about global warming were a symptom of pagan emptiness, of Western fear, of the immense and bastically uncontrollable forces of nature. In the past, pagans sacrificed animals and even humans in vain attempts to placate capricious and cruel gods. Today they demand a reduction in carbon dioxide emissions. <clears throat> and it's well, pointed out that Abbott's speech was almost word for yeah, word yeah, with yeah. what his great mentor But the thing is, Pell it's, it's almost said. the opposite. I mean, you know, we've, we've toddled along nicely over the centuries thinking, you know, we, we, we as humans can't affect the greater... Entity, you know, of the of the climate and the earth's earth's um, being, and the the shock is that we realise mm. we yeah. we can. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. completely the opposite to what what Pell's saying. What Pell's saying, yeah. really, isn't it? Pell's saying trust in God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because God makes sure we won't destroy the world as we destroy the world. But he's, not, he's, he's not even really saying that. He's really saying it doesn't really matter. We're all going to if you're mm. good, if you're good and believe what I believe, you'll go to heaven. So yeah. it doesn't matter, folks, yeah. whether the world ends tomorrow or or yeah. um, in a billion years time. I don't yeah. think he has a great track record of telling the truth. Anyway, does he? No, but he. But oh, he probably believes in it himself. Oh but, yeah, but, that's that right. <laughs> but it's whether whether the, whether the truths he thinks are the truths are the truths is mm. the question, isn't it? And some of us might question that. Well, we certainly do. <laughs> but, oh, really? <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, it's it, it is odd. But I think I think that's that's the that's the thing that in in a way a lot of Christians are actually well the, the conservative ones are quite nihilistic. They don't really mind if things end tomorrow, mm. you know, as they see it, because mm. they know that they're saved. That's right. And they'll go straight to straight straight through the gates. Yeah. I've the had gates. this theory that I might have mentioned on air or not, but I've had this theory that the Catholic Church, going way back centuries, mm. was forced to make suicide a mortal sin. So if you committed suicide, you went straight to hell, no salvation, because all these people would be saying, "Well, it's pretty ordinary here, and yeah. if I die, I go straight to heaven. Yeah. I yeah. think I'll kill myself." Yeah. 
Yeah. So they said, you can't do that. You've got to, no, you've got to, you've got to keep got working to, a bit. You've got to hang around right. down here. And, yeah, till that field a bit. And um, yeah, get, get through a bit more misery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then go to heaven. <laughs> oh, we're getting philosophical today. Oh, yes. Speaking of philosophers, um, James Packer. Um, <laughs> now, I will finish this segment the on philosophy this. Of, the philosophy yeah. of gaming. <laughs> now, he... Um, he had his annual meeting the other week and he made a few admissions that he might have made the odd mistake along the line, etc. Right. He, he admitted he couldn't control his mum. Yeah, that's right, poor yeah. old Jamie. Anyway, um, he, but the again, an editorial in the Saturday paper points out, um, and it's an interesting, it's interesting, it's something we talk about quite a lot here, but they, they pointed out, and it's good to see someone else saying it, it is not right to say, this is an editorial, mm. it is not right to say Crown operates without laws. It is truer to say that laws are made for Crown. Under the terms of its licensing agreement in Victoria, the state will pay compensation to the casino should any measure to combat problem gambling affect profits. For the next 33 years, the state is liable for payments up to $200 million to Crown for losses related to lowering betting limits, pre-commitment technology, restricted access to cash machines or any other recommended policy to treat the addiction of gambling. Under the same deal, which locks in Crown's licence until 2050, the casino managed to reduce its tax obligations. It pays no super tax on international interstate VIP gaming. Goes on to say in Sydney, Packers Harbour Casino defies planning laws. The state's unsolicited bid provisions allowed for it to be conceived without independent evaluation. Special legislation was still needed and the Casino Control Amendment Bill was passed. In effect, as Anne Davies wrote, James Packer was awarded a restricted gaming licence for a VIP casino on publicly owned land without tender. And then, because it, it goes on to point about the points that Andrew Wilkie made about the, um, you know, the mm. playing with machines, etc. Yeah. Um, but then it goes on to point about the, how he uses, you know, he, he's very clever about getting people in politics. In a just world, the inquiry would not be limited simply to machine tampering and rapacious conduct. It would extend to the special relationship between governments and casinos. These relationships are not only personal, although there was that too, with a payroll that has included Tony Abbott's Chief of Staff Peter Credlin, Labor National Secretary Carl Batar, Senator Mark R. Bibb, Howard Government Minister Helen Coonan. And the conclusion is, Wilkie's revelations bring this odd relationship into focus. Irrespective of what is found regarding Crown, they should ask a fundamental question. Why do governments do so much for casinos and get so little in return? Interesting. Mm. It's a lot more than that, but that's, mm. that's the guts mm. of it. But it's, mm. um, mm. it goes yeah, back to Yeah, it's the, sort of like the relationship with, with, with um, gambling institutions is sort of uh, like, like the... Uh, like the uh, like the relationship with big business, but on steroids, isn't it? It's even worse mm. in, ma- in many ways. Yep. Wonder- um, yeah. They, uh, what is it? I mean, I mean, you would you would, you would hope hope in a sense that the reason is that the, the amount of revenue governments get is so huge that they're prepared to mm. to make all these um, concessions, or is it or is it, of course, to do with the the corruption involved with people from politics moving into um, very generously paid positions in in the gambling industry. Well, John Roskin might say it's socialist, wouldn't he? I mean, mm. the government being so involved with private companies. It's a good thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, in fact, he probably would oppose that because I think John Roskin believes in in, uh, in pure laissez-faire stuff right, in some ways, right, unless right. It, maybe it affects him personally and then he might... That's right. Yeah, then yeah, he, yeah, he'd yeah. be up for... A, yeah, but Anyhow, it's, uh, we're, it's, up it's, we're up to transport. We're up to transport. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely. We're <laughs> going to take a very quick break. Come back, and now we'll start talking transport and get John happy again. Three <laughs> CR is very proud to announce the launch of the Beyond the Bars 2017 CD. Okay, Puffer, you're up to go and see the bail justice. I don't want to go and see him. I say no. I won't worry about it. You know. Sure enough, here comes the truck. I'm going to Dame Phyllis. Come along to Mesa at 184 Gertrude Street, Fitzroy on Thursday the 2nd of November from 6 to 8pm. The launch will feature a live panel discussion on Aboriginal incarceration, Q&A and deadly music. Oh, like, I don't regret being in jail, not one bit. Solitude and centeredness is difficult to find in the centre of chaos. So this has become, unfortunately enough, a place to be by myself and away from all that other stuff and... and there's less, there's less chaos in here than there is out there. 
Beyond the Bars 2017 CD launch. Thursday, 2nd of November, upstairs at Mesa, 6 till 8pm. Okay, back on air, and John McPherson's here to talk transport. John, you said, I've got a few things here, but John, you said you had some items you wanted to raise today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there was an interesting article in the Age, I think it was the Age today, it was musing about why the number of people killed on on um, Melbourne's rail system is so high, higher than anywhere else in Australia, considerably higher than Sydney, um, and a lot of it's suicides. Mm, um, yeah. Uh, and um, you know, then of course, asking the question, why is this so? Well, one of the one of the big reasons is that for the last twenty or thirty years, the uh, the, the the powers managing our public transport system have decided quite deliberately not to have fencing along railway lines. So they thought that it wasn't necessary, mm. and of course, that means that just makes access just that little bit easier. Of course, if you if you don't have to climb over a fence, yeah. Uh, funnily enough, by comparison, if you look at all our uh, motorways and toll roads, they've all got very high, very substantial fencing along them. They don't mm. want they don't want people wandering around in the traffic. Thank you very much. Holds up traffic. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So apparently, in some areas, they're now putting fencing back along the rail rail, rail system. But of course, it'll take them a long time to refence the whole whole thing comprehensively. Mm. Um, there's another another issue. Another thing that can be uh, can be done is um, uh, is to put um, what what are called um, um, how to describe it doors along the edge of platforms so that when the train stops, sliding doors on the platform open opposite the sliding doors on the train, yeah. so um, you are uh, unable to just you know jump in front of a train so mm. easily from them. From the platform, and that's becoming more common around the world. That 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 sort of arrangements put in place for a whole lot of good and reasons. And the train always pulls up in the spot where the doors. Yeah, are. that's right. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, whether our trains could manage that, of course, would be highly <laughs> doubtful. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to be like that on the new. You can't manage the to metro. run them, let alone have them end up in the same spot. Apparently, the metro tunnel stations are all going to have that sort of sort of technology, and so they should. But they should start putting it across across the whole. The whole system mm. as well. That the only place that pretty if you fence if you fence and do that the only place it would be simple to leap in front of a train therefore would be a road crossing that yes, you could rush yes, out. Yes, yes. I That's, suppose you can't do much about that. Well, we've got a problem with road crossings because we've got so many, but at least some of them are, are being got yeah, rid of. Thank you, away, yeah. thank you, Mr. Andrews. Uh, but um, Sydney, by comparison, has mm. only got twelve level crossings on their whole uh, suburban rail network, and even after the. After the, this 50 are fixed in Melbourne, I think it'll still be about 140 mm. level crossings in Melbourne. Because apart from the poor people who suicide, the, the impact on yeah. drivers, as we know, we've mentioned yeah. it many times, but yeah. the impact on drivers is, is extraordinary. It's, it's terrible, yeah. 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 Some drive. I mean, you know, some drivers fluke it and don't and don't have a have that sort of experience in their dr- train driver career. But of course, other drivers mm. have a number and. Um, some of them, some of them end up retiring early with, you know, PTSD yeah. uh, and all sorts of other things because yeah. of the uh, the horror of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that was one of the things I wanted one, to yep. point out. It's a bit grim, it's a bit grim, but but um, certainly I think um, there should be more pressure on the authorities for, to to refence the whole rail system properly. Uh, that would be a start. Um, yeah, the uh, this morning on Fane at half past eight on uh, on Melbourne ABC, the um, he was talking to Janet Rice about the Westgate Tunnel mm. project. Janet Rice being a Green Senator from Victoria. We That's right. Yes, is, yeah. yes. Who's, who's also been on local councils in the mm. inner west. And been on city limits in the past. Yes, years, yes, yes, yes. And. Um, they were. She was pointing out that Infrastructure Australia can't get information out of the state government about the uh, detail of the um, of the Westgate Tunnel project, you know, which, um, according mm. to the state government, is steaming ahead. Uh, but Infrastructure Australia says it can't get enough information to make an, an informed um, judgment about whether it's a worthwhile project or not. I think the state government's point of view is well, we're not. We're not. We're going to do it without any money from the feds. Therefore, we don't have to tell, tell, tell the feds mm. anything about it. But, but of course, it's um, 
it's really a project just to produce more road capacity to allow more people to drive into the city easily in the morning peak is what it's really about with a bit of um, um, facilitating um, container trucks getting to the port on the side. Um, but, but, you know, the last thing we really need is is to be facilitating more commuter commuter traffic to the city by car. I mean, that's yeah, and, fairly, and all, fairly insane. All the relevant councils who are affected yes. by it have come out of the inquiry and precisely, opposed it. And they precisely. all say it's going to pour... Each one says it's going to pour more cars mm, onto their streets, mm, more mm. traffic. Yeah, it's just going to pour traffic into the western side of the, the CBD, just, you know, and that'll have to go somewhere. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, it's unlikely to really make a, a, a difference because the traffic has to end up going somewhere. But, um, you know, the state government still seems to believe in, believe in roads as a fix for, um, for um, peak hour um, congestion problems, mm. which is just crazy. Well, yes, absolutely. There was an interesting article earlier in the week. Where did I read it? I've forgotten where. I think, it, again, it might have been The Age. Um, a, um, a local bike rider who was originally from Holland and um, um, a woman, and um, she was commenting on the aggression of the Melbourne bike riding um, uh, fraternity, uh, how she felt that, um, um, if, you know, that even if they were sticking to the bike lanes, they were, uh, they were, that there was a tendency for particularly, particularly the males to want to ride very fast and to get very irritated by other bike riders who don't want to ride quite as fast as they do. Mm. They do. And so you really end up with the same sort of issues you get on the road, except it's been, it's been um, transmuted to, the, um, to, to bike riding. And she felt that it, there wasn't the same sort of aggression in the way people rode bikes in Holland, that they were much more um, sedate. And um, she um, was having um, a bit of a hard time coping with this, um, what she felt was pretty aggressive sort of culture. Yeah, I think that's so. And there's a lot of, I think there are a lot of bike riders who are quite aggressive. And mm, um, mm. and I know a lot of older older pedestrians, say, on bike paths on the streets, they, particularly on bike paths mm. where they're shared, yeah. they really unnerve a lot of pedestrians, yeah, a lot of older yeah, pedestrians yeah, in particular. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and you do get, you know, man, when, I mean, I can, that it's a good sign that there was a long queue at the lights at Park Street this morning as I was coming here. Yeah, sure. But when we crossed, I don't know if you know the area, I go down and then under the, you know, under the Royal Parade, <coughs> the old railway line, but riding around past the tennis courts there in and across <coughs> the area, there's a bend coming up where you can't see. But some impatient bloke, you know, with his Riker and everything, took off down the outside full pelt. And if anyone had come around the bend, it would have been a head-on collision. And you know, I always panic when that happens. And you get dry people. Sorry, John, you, you want another bit of tea or something? I've got, no, I've got something. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you want to have a quick break? It would have been a... Uh, yeah. can a be bingle dangerous. would have been quite easy yeah. when they're shared in the morning usually there's not too many pedestrians you're just cyclists mm. heading to work mm. etc but during the day I mean when you've got people with little kids or mm. people with dogs on even on leads or whatever I always slow down absolutely passing them because you can't trust what a little no. kid or a dog's going to do no, no. Um, but some cyclists just whip Whip off yeah, away yeah, they go. Yeah. Anyhow, that's my group. Anyway, that's okay. That's it. Um, there was a study came out in the last couple of weeks, John, um, mm. showing that um, in Melbourne, um, where well, because there's more movements, more uh, commuter mm. movements, there's been an increase in train and tram travel very slightly, but it's the cars are increasing even more, um, so that in fact. Um, more than 1.3 million Melburnians, or 74% of the commuting population, are relying solely on a car to get to work in 2016. Mm. It's down from 76% in 2011, but still far higher than Sydney, where 65.5% drive to work. Melbourne's public transport network is heaving, with a rise of 51,000 people using trains to get to work since 2011, an increase of 27%, equivalent to 57 trains full of people. 
As a proportion of the population, 13% of commuters rely on public transport as their sole form of transport, up from 12% in 2011. It pales compared to the whopping 21% in Sydney using public transport, etc., all these figures. But um, So while there's more, mm. it's proportionately not going far. Uh, that 13% figure, apparently, if you add in people who actually take the car as far as the railway station and then take the train... You know, they, they, if you add if you add them into the public transport side, yep. it goes up to eighteen percent for public transport. Does it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because just just the way you dice and chop chop the figures, because mm. there are a lot of journeys. Uh, you know, uh, um, you know, one, more than one mode, um, uh, and um, so you know those people could just as easily be put in the PT PT side of the ledger as in the car side. Uh, and um, prob- probably the car journey is being made in the outer suburbs where the congestion issues aren't as bad. It's, it is it is by, by them taking the train as their main mode into the city, so they are at least so it's a bit the, better, yeah. in, in relieving yeah. the congestion on the roads. Yeah, well, yeah. well look, <clears throat> what to say? We, we, the, the city is continuing to spread out. Uh, the only thing we seem to supply in the outer suburbs is roads, um, if 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 any public transport at all turns up in the new suburbs as soon as they're settled, of course it'll be the odd bus, and it'll be very it'll be very poor bus services. Mm. So people are given no encouragement, and usually miss the train by a minute, mm. and and then coming back the other way, mm. same thing. And if you know the way that the part that the agencies <laughs> operate, it can take them years to adjust the buses to meet the train again just in time for the train timetable to be changed mm. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're <laughs> yeah, good. Well, you like... know, this, this, <laughs> this, anyhow, so, you know, I'm trying to make the, make the point that, that, that in, the, in the new areas where most of the development is happening, there is virtually no encouragement for anybody to use anything else but their car for, mm. for, for their travel. So we really shouldn't be surprised by those um, figures. Uh, but more and more, the people coming to the CBD to work are having to come by by public transport, and they are. But mm. it's really only the CBD that public transport is serving is serving well. It's increasingly crowded, although um, yeah. in response to this, Jacinda Allen, the Transport Minister, <coughs> said the Liberal government ordered just 15 trains for Melbourne in four years. We've already ordered 84 new metro trains and set out a 10-year plan to ensure train orders keep pace with patronage growth. So let's hope that yeah, happens. Yeah, well, but that's... that's mm. about it, but it, it, it won't necessarily really change the... Um, Balance of well, you've got to you've got to make the timetables more frequent then for people to yes. Uh, so yes. that's, well, that's the key. One of it. the um, one of the points the Public Transport Users Association makes all the time is that the off-peak services need to be improved radically. Um, some lines now have off-peak timetables every trains every ten minutes. We don't have off-peak on our line. No, you don't. You. <laughs> we have the same. <laughs> yeah. Or else we have off-peak all day. Well, you have off-off-peak all day. Um, it, 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 would make some, it would make a lot of sense to run trains more frequently off-peak because there would be the possibility of attracting more patronage yeah. and even some people who now travel in the peak might even move, move their journey to, does, to the edge of the off-peak. Does the Frankston line run 10 minutes all day? Yes. Five, seven yes, days a week? Does, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So does the, um, so the Dandenong line. Right, yeah. um, and there's no reason why the others couldn't as well. Uh, but there's this parsimonious thing here that, that's, that, that you only um, hand out public transport in little... little Mm, globules, yeah, globules, yeah, yeah. and you don't hand out you hand out buses very very seldom at all. <laughs> so we we seem to have both very infrequent buses, and um, judging by the performance of Transdev in the last uh, the last little while, where um, a huge proportion of their buses have been found to be unroadworthy. Mm. Uh, the buses, the buses they do, do run aren't even yeah, in, in decent condition. We mentioned that last month, that's right. Yes, yes. But, well, I mean, I know the bus service is like, I mean, the one, well, there's one that I use sometimes <coughs> to come over here, um, and it gets crowded at um, at peak, and particularly with school kids going mm. to school and back. But the rest of the day, it's hardly anyone on it. So they use that as an excuse to say, why increase the frequency? But yeah. if you increase the frequency, of course, people might start using yeah. it. Yeah, well, um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing how much evidence there is that, that the improving the... Improving the quality, e.g., the frequency of services, will generate more patronage. It's mm. um, 
it's um, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, hard to believe, yeah. really. Yes. But if you but if you're the sort of agency who doesn't really want to run more public transport than you have to, of course. <laughs> and we still have that sort of view, I'm afraid, in the agencies that, that they don't want to do more than they have to. Um, and yet we're getting to such to be you know a city of four million people going on for five. You know we have to cake the bit between the teeth and accept that public transport is going to become more and more important. And indeed, a bloke called Ian Woodcock is an academic at RMIT in these yes, areas. Yes. He said cars still dominated the Melbourne commuter experience because the Andrews government was still favouring <laughs> mega road projects such as the Westgate Tunnel. He said prioritising projects such as electrifying and duplicating the Melton Line, building rail to the airport, upgrading services on the regional rail link mm. and the Melbourne Metro 2, an underground rail tunnel linking Clifton Hill and Newport, would have rendered the Westgate Tunnel largely redundant. Um, but on the other hand, the Liberals have got the answer. Their spokesperson, David Hodgett, said the rise in car use showed the need for the east-west link. <laughs> the RACB thinks so. Daniel Andrews' hand-picked infrastructure advisors think so. Victorian commuters know so. Yeah, so he says well, build more roads. That's the well, answer. The sto- the st- yeah, well, the basic story about the east-west link is that the people who would be using the east-west link still are people who mostly want to get to the CBD. At the, mo- at the moment, they're getting to the CBD from the eastern side because that's where the eastern freeway ends, mm. feeding onto Hoddle Street with all the roads that then feed into the city. So basically, the east-west tunnel would just be taking people around to the other side of the city and that where they'd still be trying to get back into the CBD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, the Melbourne Metro tunnels... Sorry, the Melbourne Westgate tunnel is built, the road, road um, thing from the west... They'll be then competing with all the traffic that'll be coming from that direction yeah, as well. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't work. It, in fact, it just doesn't work to expect that you can you can feed more people into the city by car. It's just. Yeah. It's just. And silly. related to that, we don't. Yeah. We don't do public transport well anywhere else, but the CBD. But we don't even want to acknowledge that that that, that public transport can do the CBD thing well. We still want to offer the car alternative as well. Mm. And we already offer that on a pretty big scale. And related to that, Transurban's been boasting that now they've opened up new lanes on the yeah. Tullamarine and the Balti Bridge, etc. Uh, this is a great, wonderful ride for you. You'll all be loosened up now. How long do you think before it chokes up again and they need to widen it yet again? Mm-hmm. Months. Yeah, months probably, probably. Yeah. maybe maybe up to eighteen months, say something. Yeah, like but that. then they'll get a further extension of their license and <laughs> rip more money off people. Yep. Um, by the way, on that on that ground, um, I saw an interesting commentary the other day that said, if I'm on the motorway or the or the toll road in particular, and my speed I'm crawling along at fifteen kilometres an hour, why should I be paying the toll that I'm being charged for using this road? I'm getting no benefit. Mm. Benefit out of the toll road. I was about to raise that question yeah. with you, actually, so you yeah. answered it. The whole, the whole, <laughs> the, the whole thing about a toll road was supposed mm. to be that it provided you with a, with a free um, run, a good, you know, yeah. travel experience which you right. were happy to pay for. Yeah. But uh, oh no, we, it makes no difference what speed you're going on the motorway. Uh, if you're going really, really slow because of the big all the congestion, you go under the gantry, you still get charged. You just know, as I mean, much. I often wonder why people bother to pay to sit in bloody traffic yeah, jams exactly, on freeways. Exactly, it's just amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Melbourne Airport. Yes. Um, Melbourne Airport has come out. At, I mean, I think it's because this would, when Mark gets back, we'll raise this with him because he'll, he'll have a have a heart attack. Um, but um, they're talking about they've currently got 35 million passengers in twi- um, yeah. as last year, yeah. but they want to build that up to 100 million or something by within 20 or 30, so many years. Mm. But they, you know, they, they just want to keep building. Oh, well, they want to. Yeah. That's right. They they twi- they said they could ha- eventually handle 100 million passengers a year. Well, uh, that's great for the environment. Mm. Um, but they. What they are screaming out for is is a rail link. Um, they're mm. saying only because it's so difficult to get there by car. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's choking up, as yeah, we know, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. they're screaming out for that. Yes, yes. Well, they, even though they charge an absolute fortune for a parking, the parking apparently is just you know gets more and more difficult by the month, as well, of course. But um, you know, the only the only alternative is um, sky bus. And uh, the state government doesn't seem to be particularly interested in an airport, airport rail link. Um, no. 
But um, uh, well, there are very few cities left in the world with, with airports as busy as ours that don't have um, rail links. To rail links these days, we're uh, we're really on the back foot here. Well, the Melbourne Council, their transport person, he came out recently no. and made that point as well. And mm. that you know we're one of the few cities mm. in the world. Mm. Yeah. One of them, I think, we're almost the only major city that mm. hasn't got a mm. rail link to its airport. And it, and really, the the the, um, the airport should be sort of connected into the transport network. It sh- it should perhaps have more than just a rail line to the city. It should also mm. probably have a, a good network of buses. Mm. <laughs> and some of the smart buses do go there, but of course you wouldn't know it because there's never any <laughs> any promotion <laughs> of them. <laughs> And they, tend, and they tend to have their, their stops about as far away from the main terminals as you can get. They don't do anything stupid like encourage people no, to use no, it. No, 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 no. no, no. Um, We've got a note from a listener saying regarding Crown Casino loss compensation law, it's the Trans-Pacific Partnership. I'm not sure what that means. Oh, well, the um, Trans-Pacific Partnership's been talked about a lot, yeah, but, it's but it's not, it hasn't um, happened. No, that's right, but it's, I just wondered what it, what it means in relation to this. And Trump certainly doesn't <clears> want it to happen. And we've also been sent something about um, how a power station sold a P notes became a seventy thirty million seven hundred and thirty million asset. Well, I do know that. Who's that what? Well, it's, it, it was one I was going to raise, but yeah, we didn't. Yeah. Um, the New South Wales government sold a power station for a million dollars two years later, and it's now being worth at seven thirty million. And it's just oh, okay. it's a good example of how privatisation just you know the government loses out big time. But we will that will come up sometime on this program. But it's it's an item I was aware of. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, there's another program. I don't know much about this, John, and you mightn't either. Mm. Um, Victoria, criticised in recent research for falling short of its own livability standards, is spending 250000 to help Melbourne councils measure the walkability of the local area. And it's choosing four local government areas mm-hmm. to look at making the community, making them 20-minute neighbourhoods that encourage people to walk, cycle and use public transport. Um, don't don't much about, perhaps we should follow it up. It's pretty, they're well, calling it walkability. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, in terms of doing doing actual practical things, an improvement could be the, the amount of uh, priority that pedestrians get at traffic lights. Uh, one of the you know one of the um, terrific things about Melbourne is often the fact that if pedestrians are trying to cross a road, they can spend an awfully long time waiting mm. for them pedestrian lights to oh, turn yes. in their favour. Well, that and bike paths. I mean, where the yeah. bike path. The I ride. Sure. I don't stop riding on it. I go a different route because you get better run across the main intersections. Yeah, but yeah. on the bike paths, so often you yeah. have to wait almost two light cycles mm. because it's catering for the cars at the next intersection. Yes, yes, yes. And so pedestrians cop the same thing. Yes. Yeah, well, you, you would think that um, if you were prioritising people in terms of active transport and the impact on the environment, you'd put pedestrians first and bike riders second and cars would be way down the the mm. bottom of the pile, but of course it's not like that. It's round the other way. Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> Although I've noted recently, um, the ones I notice on Royal Parade and one on Ligon Street, that yep. there is a the light cycles now are working a bit better for trams. Uh-huh. Um, there's still that problem where you get the the green arrow at certain places sure. last, so you have to wait for all the mm. other cars clear, and then you go last because mm. the car in front, one car in front one of you turns. Blocking, yeah. But it. There are intersections where, for instance, they'll hold the green because there's a tram coming right. longer than normal. Yeah. I've noticed in several places. Yes, well, that's that's uh, eminently that's eminently doable, and of course, it should be should be normal right across the system. But yeah. last time I heard them talking about it, they said, "Oh, it might take 15 years to yeah, well, to some, put that across the whole system." I've noticed it's happening in some places. Yes. There's one at uh, yes. uh, I noticed riding here yeah. where. There's a right turn arrow, and one gets to go, and then the other coming the other way. But if there's a tram at the stop, they hold the second one until right. the tram goes through, and then once it goes through, it goes back to that cycle. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Well, there's a few well, things. Well, like all that those happening. all those things are, are doable, um, uh, but um, of course, Vic Roads talks the talk, but they don't often want to walk the walk because their hearts belong to. Um, Daddy and the Commodore. That's right. All right, look, we're running out of time, John. We'll do more of this next month. Okay. Okay, look, thanks for coming in. Thanks for your time. Okay. Uh, Thank Andy for doing a great job. Yeah, thanks, Andy, for putting up with us. Always a pleasure. No worries. Sticking with the jazz theme, we might go out with The Sky is Crying by Ada James.